Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, hey, Journey family, so glad that you're tuning in with us online today as we kick off a brand new series called Hope. Now, why are we doing a series called Hope? Well, I think it's obvious. I mean, if we turn on the TV, pick up the newspaper, listen to the radio, everything that we hear seems to be hopeless. But in Christ, we can have hope and we can have the confidence to endure any season of life that we're in. Now, let's face it, the last four months, it's been a crazy season. I mean, there's been so many things that have been going on. It almost feels like a roller coaster, up one moment, down the next, down even more. And a lot of us, it's easy to feel hopeless. But in Christ, we can have hope for our tomorrow and hope for our present situation right now. Now, hope is so important because Jesus came to give us hope. Hope is that thing that motivates us when life looks bleak. Hope is that thing that helps push us past our comfort zone to achieve greatness in Christ. And hope is the very thing that brings healing in our lives. So over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about what does it mean to have hope in Christ and how are we to live our lives through that confidence and that hope. But today we're kicking it all off with this idea of I'm optimistic. Through Christ, with hope, hope gives me the confidence to be optimistic when the world is pessimistic. Now let's just ask in in our uh, viewing here, how many of you here would say you're naturally an optimist, right? Raise your hands or give a thumbs up in the chat. Yeah, most of us, we're lying, let's be honest, right? Most of us, we are more pessimistic in nature rather than optimistic. So what I've done is I've put together a little quiz for us to have a little bit of fun, but to know whether or not we're an optimist or a pessimist. Now, where did I get this quiz from? BuzzFeed. We all know BuzzFeed is reliable, truthful. Let's just play along, right? And so I'm gonna give you a few choices and in the online chat, I want you to respond with your answer. And at the end, we'll determine if you're an optimist or a pessimist. You ready? We need all everybody here participating. Let's look at question number one. First question is this. How has your week been? But describe it by choosing an emoji. All right, so how was your week? And describe it by choosing an emoji. Here's the four emoji. Praise hands, the okay symbol, a face palm, or the poop emoji. How has your week been? Praise hands, okay symbol, face palm, or the poop emoji. All right, let's go to question number two. This is the classic optimist versus pessimist quiz. Here it is, number two. Looking at this picture, the glass is fill in the blank. It's half full, half empty, whatever, right? Is the glass half full, half empty, or whatever? All right, let's look at question number three. Your boss sends you a text asking them to give you a call back. You think one of the above. Is it number one, oh no, I'm gonna get fired? Is it number two, hey, I must be getting a raise, my boss loves me? Or number three, I hope they don't give me another project. What is your natural thought when your boss sends you a text asking them to call back? Let's look at question number four, and it's choose the word that you see. You're gonna have to fill in the blank, 
with what word that you see. It says L-O blank E-R. What is the first letter, the first word that comes to your mind when you see this image? Is it loser? Is it lover? Is it loner or lower? What is the first word that you see when you fill in the blank? And then let's look at the last question here. Number five is choose your least embarrassing moment. Choose your least embarrassing moment. Is it number one, dropping your phone on your face while texting in bed? Uh, is it number two, loudly screwing up the lyrics to a song in front of other people, not realizing the words to the song are wrong? Uh, is it number three, realizing that there's no toilet paper in the bathroom? And that's, that's a dilemma. Or is it number four, saying love you at the end of a business call? Which one is your least embarrassing moment? Now we look at that quiz and, and to be honest, that last question, there was nothing to it. I just wanted to know what was your least embarrassing moment. But, but we see a lot of us, we struggle with this idea of being optimistic versus pessimistic. And we could agree that there's a lot of negativity in the world today. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening. For example, the coronavirus. Are we minimizing the first wave? Is everyone down south screwing it up for us? Are we about to enter into a second wave? Are masks really effective? There's so much negativity just around the topic of coronavirus. But then there's the economy. You know, the Dow is up one moment, down the next. Jobs are being cut left and right. Are we going to get that next stimulus payment? And what is that payment going to be? Then there's, uh, for us New Yorkers right now, what's happening with the schools? You know, are our kids going to go back to school? Teachers, are we going to have to teach our kids while wearing a mask at all times? Are we doing staggered schooling? What about daycare? Uh, then there's the crime rate in New York City. Uh, there's been a lot that's been going on saying that the crime rate is about as high as it was in the 90s, which was not good. And so there, you see, there's a lot of things happening. And oh, by the way, 2020 is an election year in case you forgot. So, so there's a lot of negativity that is going on in the world today. And it's really easy for us to look at the news, look at all the negativity, and to feel feelings of hopelessness creep into our own lives and our own hearts. But with Christ, we can not only be hopeful, but we can be optimistic even when the world is pessimistic. Let me give you a key verse here in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 27. Solomon says this. He says, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. You know, such a simple verse, but it tells us our goal is that we have to be agents searching for the goodness of God. Because if we search for good, we'll find it. But the bad news is if you search for bad or hopelessness, you're going to find that as well. We all find that which we're looking for. And so, yes, there's a lot of negative things that are happening in the world today, but also there's a lot of good things that are happening in the world today. And so with Christ, we're going to focus on the good and eliminate the bad. Let me give you a quick example on how to do just that. Most of us, when we turn on the news, we allow the news to interpret and filter how we read God's word. But see, it should be the opposite. When we turn on the news, it should be filtered through the Word of God. Because why? The Word of God is our foundation. It gives us hope when we feel lost. The news, they're just out for ratings and, and clickbait. And so they will promote negativity all the time. And so my hope and my prayer 
is that through this series, we can be optimistic instead of pessimistic. We could find the goodness of God even in the worst of circumstances. So in your notes, here's the key truth I want us to know today. It says, I'm not optimistic based on what I feel, but I'm optimistic based on what God says. Now there's a big difference between the two, right? Because my feelings, I can't trust them. I could feel great one moment, then I turn on the TV and watch the New York Mets lose, and then my feelings let me down and I become pessimistic. My feelings, I can't trust but God's word is the foundation. And so my optimism is not based on a um, feeling or mustering this up within, but is based on God's word and his principles and his timeless truth. Now, what does God's word say about hope and about us being optimistic? Well, the answer is a lot. And in fact, in scripture, there are over 7,000 promises for us to read, to meditate upon, and to build our life around. 7,000 promises waiting for you You've just got to read them and interpret them and understand them. Now, we're not going to take enough time to read all 7,000 verses because then this webcast would probably be about three days long. But what I'm going to do is I want to focus in on one chapter, Romans chapter 8, a beautiful chapter written by Paul. And it gives us within that chapter eight reasons that we could be optimistic based on Romans chapter 8. All right, so eight reasons why we can be optimistic based upon Romans chapter eight. Let's look at number one in your notes. The first reason why we can be optimistic is because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. My sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. Now, I don't know about you, but that alone is enough to be optimistic and to be hopeful. The fact that Jesus loves me enough to give up his life for you and I, to forgive us of all of our sins, and to tell us that our eternity is secure, that is enough for me to break out into a praise dance, to to raise the roof a little bit, even in my apartment building. But we get this confidence even from the very first verse of Romans chapter 8. In your notes and in the Bible, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to underline or circle those keywords in Christ Jesus. What it means is that if you are in Christ, you can have the confidence that you are no longer condemned, that your sins are forgiven. If you are not in Christ though, then you can't be optimistic about your sins being forgiven or your eternity being secure because it all hinges on our faith in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on, he shares a little bit more here in this verse, and he says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven of a lot. You know, think about God's forgiveness to you and I is that it's instant. The moment we call out to God for his forgiveness, he offers it to us right then and right there. We don't have to go through a set of standards or rituals just to be forgiven. The moment we cry out, God instantly forgives us. But also this forgiveness is not just instant, it's complete. And what it means is when I call out to God for forgiveness, he forgives me of, yes, my present mistakes and my present failures, but also it's complete. It's of my past failures and my future failures as well. And the other thing about God's forgiveness It's not just instant and complete, 
but it's eternal. His forgiveness that he offers to you and to me allows us to have hope, not just in this world, but in eternity to come in heaven. So how can we be optimistic? Number one is that our sins are forgiven and our eternity is secure. Number two, the second way that we can be optimistic is that Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Now let's face it, if you've been in church for more than two months, you know that us Christians, we love this phrase, praying for you, right? You know, I feel like I'm going through a bad time and I tell someone, man, I'm having a bad season and they'll say, well, I'm, I'm praying for you. And sometimes that makes me feel better, but other times, come on, be honest, if you're a pessimist like me, you're wondering, are they really praying for you? I mean, are, are they really praying for you? They just, oh, I feel bad. I'm going to pray for you. And, the, and that's their prayer and that's it. But then there's other people when they say, man, Mike, I'm praying for you. I am like, yes, this is the person that I hoped was praying for me because, I mean, here's Jesus and here's that person, right? And so I know they're close to God. So if they're praying for me, I can trust that everything is okay. Uh, for example, uh, Danielle's uncle, uh, his name is Greg Hubbard. Uh, he's a guy that has always been in our life during some of the tough and darkest moments of our life. Anytime we went through a bad season where we felt pessimistic, how is God going to get us out? Out of the blue, there'd just be a text message. Hey, Mike, it's Greg. Just want you to know, I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord is laying on my heart to pray for you. And in those moments, I'm like, oh, if Greg's praying for me, we're good. We're out of the bind. Everything's going to be okay. But get this, Greg's prayers are great, but Jesus's prayers are even better. And it says here that Jesus is praying for you. Think about the power of that. And now we get this confidence because it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. It says, Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now, that word intercede is basically a fancy word of like pleading on our behalf or making our case before us. And so when it says that Jesus, who, who Paul just subtly puts in there, by the way, he died and rose again, no big deal, right? Jesus is not only praying for you, but he's at the right hand of God interceding for you. Now, look, I don't know what moment you're in right now or what circumstance or what season you're going through, how difficult it might be. You can have confidence that Jesus right now is at the right hand of God praying, interceding on your behalf. I don't know about you, but that helps shift my focus to be more optimistic. Let's look at number three in your notes. The third reason why we can be confident and optimistic according to Romans chapter eight. No, number three is because my future victory is greater than my present pain. My future victory is greater than my present pain. In other words, no matter how difficult the season of life is right now, no matter how bleak your situation looks, you can have this inner confidence that God is gonna bring you through it, that the victory is coming. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, keep in mind here that Paul the Apostle is writing these words. And what we know about Paul is Paul went through some pretty bad hardships. 
In fact, I would dare to say he went through hardships that were worse than hardships than you and I are facing. You know, there are moments in Paul's life where he had to literally be lowered in a basket out a window, down a few floors in the middle of the night so that way he wouldn't be caught by Roman soldiers and thrown in jail, all for preaching the gospel. There were moments when Paul was beaten by Roman soldiers and left for dead. There were moments when Paul was stoned. And by stoned, I have to clarify because now we think stone like cool, you know, but, but no, Paul was stoned, a different type of stone. He was, people threw rocks at him, heavy, big rocks, left him for dead. Paul was shipwrecked three times. He had some of his closest friends desert him and leave him. All these things Paul went through, and yet he still wrote those words that he believes no matter what we're facing, it pales in comparison to the glory that awaits in us. And so if Paul could say this with all confidence, I believe in my heart for you as well, that your victory is coming and that your victory is gonna be greater than the present pain that you're experiencing right now. Let's look at number four, the fourth reason why we could be optimistic. Number four in your notes is because my mind is filled with the peace of God. My mind is filled with the peace of God. Now, during this pandemic, uh, like many other Americans, and maybe like many of you, uh, one of our projects as a family is we decided to remodel our apartment or do different things like painting and you know trimming some stuff. And if you know anything about me, you know I'm not good at that stuff. And I'll share about this in another message. But uh, on one particular day, I had to have the super come over to kind of help us out with a particular project. And our super, at the end of it, he asked me, he said, man, you, Mike, you look calm. Like, why are you so calm in the middle of everything? And he knew that I led a church and he knew that we hadn't been able to meet for many weeks. And, you know, he, he knew some of the things that were going on in our lives personally, but he was genuinely curious. Like he said, why are you so calm and why are you so peaceful right now? And in that split second, that, that little moment I had with him, I was able to share the hope of Christ in me, you know, to share that, yeah, things look bad and things look tough, but I have confidence that God is going to pull us out and bring us to even greater heights. And so I believe that God can give us peace in the midst of the storm. Romans chapter eight says it like this, uh, verses 30, uh, verse six in our notes, it says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. You know, there's a lot of power in that verse. And many of the times we, we blindly follow culture. We blindly follow what the news will tell us, which is very pessimistic. Things aren't going to get any better. Things are worse and they're going to get even worse the next year. And without knowing it, we allow our minds to be governed by the flesh. And so what it means is that we have to have a daily time with God, daily time where we ask his spirit to impart life and hope and peace in our lives as well. If you're here right now and you, you find yourself feeling a little bit more negative than positive, a little bit more pessimistic than optimistic, maybe this is an opportunity for you to kneel before Christ and say, God, help me be filled with a mind of peace. So as we see in this chapter, there's a lot of reasons why we can be optimistic. We've looked at four of them. Let's look at the next four. Number five in your notes is that if God is for me, who can be against me? 
If God is for me, who can be against me? Now, maybe you're looking at this right now and you say, well, pastor, a lot of things are against me. You know, I'm persecuted for my beliefs. I lost my job. My kids are going crazy. Our marriage is suffering because we can't go on a date night. Uh, You know, all these things are happening. And you say, well, pastor, there's a lot of things that are against me. But again, I can say with confidence that if God is for you, nothing can be against you. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 33. I love this first verse here. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Then it goes on, it says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. You know, for some of us, this is what we need to do is we need to take that verse. If God is for me, who or what can be against me? We need to Put that in key places where we can see it. Maybe it's got to be our background to our computer screen. So every time we open it up and we're nervous about that Zoom call with our boss or our supervisor, we're reminded, God is for me, not against me. And so what this means is that we don't have to spend our lives fighting for victory, but we already have the victory. And so we fight from that victory. You see, there's a big difference between the two. If I'm fighting for victory... I feel like I have to prove my worth. I have to feel like I have to prove my acceptance and be acceptable to God. But when I'm fighting from victory, I already know the end result. I already know that God is going to bring me through it. And so if I fight from victory rather than for victory, I won't allow circumstances to get the best of me because I can confidently trust that if God is for me, who or what can be against me? Let's look at number six in your notes. The sixth reason, according to Romans chapter eight, that we can be optimistic is that God's spirit helps me in my weakness. God's spirit, it helps me in my weakness. Now, all of us, we face weakness of one kind or another. For me, my weaknesses back in the day, it used to be McDonald's, Philly cheesesteaks, New York pizza and bagels, right? So, so maybe you relate. You're like, oh, that's, that's my weakness too. But, but here we're talking about a, a deeper weakness, right? We're not talking about giving into foods or, or binge watching Netflix. Yeah, those are types of weaknesses. But we're talking about deeper weaknesses. Like, I don't know if I can make it past this storm. I don't know if I can make it through this season. If you're here and you've said that at least once in the last four months, I think what it does is it makes you human. Because I think all of us have said that at one point or another these last four months. But understand that when we feel weak, God supplies his strength. Romans chapter 8 says it like this, verses 24 through 26. It says, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Then here's the key part, and I want you to underline this part in your notes. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know, isn't that amazing that God's Holy Spirit comes in and it helps us during our times of weakness. So, so for example, whenever we're down, we can trust that the Holy Spirit's going to lift us up. Whenever we feel like we're hurting, we can trust that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Whenever we feel alone, we can know that the Holy Spirit is our friend. Whenever we feel weak, we can trust that the Holy Spirit will give us supernatural strength to endure. And whenever we feel pessimistic, we can trust and we can hope that the Spirit 
will give us the confidence to be optimistic. We can be optimistic because we don't face our battles alone. God is always for us and he is with us in times of weakness. Let's look at number seven in your notes. Number seventh reason why we can be optimistic is because God is working everything in my life for good. God is going to work everything in my life and in your life for his ultimate good. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. It says, and we know that in all things, if you're watching at home, say those words out loud, say all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who has been called according to his purpose. Now, I've been in Bible college for four years, and I've spent some time studying the Bible in its original languages, Greek and Hebrew. And I can tell you this, that when Paul says the word all things, translated in its original Greek, it means all things. It means everything. And so what it means is that every situation, good, bad, ugly, hot mess, whatever season it is, everything can be worked out for God's good. There is no circumstance too bad that God can't fix. There's no sin or mistake too great that God doesn't do a face palm and say, I can't help you. No, God stands ready to help us and can use everything, all things, even the toughest and darkest moments of our lives to bring out his good in our own lives. God asks us to trust his job is to do the result. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it easier to trust God than to try and fix every one of my mistakes in every situation and circumstance. So let's know our role, step back, trust that God is going to work all things for his good. And then let's look at the last one, number eight in our notes. The eighth reason why we can be optimistic according to Romans chapter eight, it's because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. You know, I hope that this resonates with you today as you're watching this, that there is nothing that you can do that would change how God feels about you. No mistake too great, no circumstance too bad that doesn't prove that God loves you and he loves me. You know, sometimes we look at the outside world to base our worth and whether or not God loves us. Almost like a little kid with a flower that says, he loves me, he loves me not. God loves me today, he doesn't love me today. You know, And a lot of times we, we bring that thinking into our life. We assume that if our circumstances are bad, well then God doesn't love me today. Or we assume that if something turned out in, in a negative way, well maybe it's God being mad at me. But see, remember God is for you, not against you. Nothing can separate you from God's great love for you. In fact, Paul ends Romans chapter 8 with this great declaration, verses 38 and 39. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, no matter what you do, God still loves you. No matter how bad the situation is, no matter how pessimistic you feel right now, nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
And God proved this to us by sending his son from heaven down to earth to give up his life on the cross for you and I. And when he stretched out his arms on that cross, he was basically saying, I love you this much. And he breathed his last breath and gave up his life for you and I. But the story doesn't end there. We know that three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead to help us understand that we can be hopeful in any situation that we face, that we can be optimistic even when we feel negative thoughts in our life. And so that's how much Jesus and God loves you. The question is, have you received this love in your own heart? Not do I know about this love, but have I personally received this love and allowed my faith to transform me from the inside out? You see, it's simple as just admitting that we make mistakes, that, that we're a, a sinner. It's as simple as believing in the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. It's as simple as confessing with our mouth and our heart that Jesus is Lord. You see, until we receive the love of Christ, we can't really be optimistic instead of pessimistic. Until we receive the love of Christ, our optimism will just be fleeting. It'll be based upon our feelings and how we feel that day. But when we receive the love of Christ and allow it to transform us from the inside out, we will have that confidence to be optimistic in the face of darkness and adversity. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder of your great love for us that, that you died on the cross for our sins. God, there's nothing that we did or could do to, to prove our worth or that we're worthy. God, we know that at our best day, our best moments, we make mistakes and, and we are far from you. And so we come before you today asking for forgiveness. For some of us, it might be the first time that we're asking for forgiveness and placing our faith and trust in you. And I, I pray that you help us do that today. That for others of us, God, it's, it's asking for forgiveness because we've allowed the negativity of life, the negativity of culture to impact us. And God, we need to experience your peace. We need to be reminded that you are for us, not against us. We need to be reminded that Jesus is at the right hand of God right now, interceding on our behalf. And God, help us to use this framework of Romans chapter 8 to be more optimistic instead of pessimistic, to trust in you with our lives and to surrender everything over to you. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.